If you need a laugh, here on your behalf It's bad mates, are we fighting crime? Or just wasting time? It's bad mates, lunch, boom, crash, kapow Stream a download, holy cow You can stop listening now to bad mates Because we're bad mates Hello and welcome to Batmates, a Barbara Gordon Stan podcast. My name is Becca, and I hope you let this episode unlock the girl boss inside of you. My name is Josh, and I couldn't come up with a phrase this week. <laughs> he tried. He really tried. I did. I put some thought into it, and I couldn't. All I could think of was maybe referencing Space Jam, because we watched Space Jam recently. <laughs> Hit a slam dunk and use girl power to do it. How's that? <laughs> Sure. Good enough. Great. So this week we are talking about Batgirl, but not the good one. What do you mean not the good one? I guess she's fine. She's pretty good. No, she's she's about as useful and effective as her her aunt. Yeah, roughly. But first, let's get into a little bit of news. So there are new photos from the set of The Flash, and we got the clearest photo of Sasha Calais. Calais? Callie? I'm going to go with Calais. Okay. Sasha Calais as Supergirl. Uh, and Sasha's only other screen role was on the soap opera The Young and the Restless. Mm-hmm. So she's fairly new on the scene in Hollywood. Okay. Um, but her costume looks pretty cool. Isn't it sort of like a curse to be in soap operas? Because it's it's generally considered like if, if you get on a soap opera, you really can't get any better roles than that. No. No? You know who started soap operas? No. Who was that? Jensen Ackles. Oh! Our new Batman. Well, okay. <laughs> My new Batman. <laughs> he, he was stuck on TV for a while. Okay, and he's probably still stuck on TV. Yeah. But, still. You don't get to be a, you typically don't get to be a movie star if you start out soap opera. I'm sure there's plenty of people who started out in soap opera. Okay. Exceptions to the rule. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's hard work. You film, on a regular TV show, you film maybe, like, five to seven pages of dialogue a day mm-hmm. on soap operas you film like 30 to 40 yeah yeah no i know it's it's crazy schedule because they air them every single day mm-hmm. um but anyway so interesting yeah. okay so we got supergirl pictures yeah actually not only was she on the young and the restless it earned her a daytime emmy nomination oh so yeah she's a, an award nominee she might bring a lot of nuance to this role Hard to say for sure. You know, okay. Could be cool. Is there any reason why they're not using the Supergirl from like the television series? Because it's Supergirl? like, it's a separate universe okay, that was established in those Flashpoint episodes. They're using Michael Keaton. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, he's probably going to travel around to different worlds. I don't know if this is going to be like the Supergirl of the DCEU or if uh, he's going to go to a different timeline where it's just Supergirl. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. It's... I think we also saw the, the 89 Batmobile, too, in, like, set photos yes. within the last couple of weeks. That was my next point, is okay. that we got some very clear photos of the 1989 Batmobile. Looking, my favorite. Best looking, Batmobile. Looking just like she used to. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also got some photos of the Batcave, which you know, looks a little 1989-ish. Okay, okay. Um, the interesting thing that I know about the 89 Batmobile is that the original molds for the Batmobile in the movie were ruined. Uh, they were they sat in some sort of like California movie warehouse and because of the California heat like warped. Mm. So the people who make uh, like Batmobile recreations have trouble. They either have to use like a corrected version or they have uh, things that need to be modified because the molds are like wonky because they got they got melted <laughs> basically. Wow. So I don't know if this is the is is this the original car or did they remake it from the ground up? I don't know. Okay. Honestly. It's probably not the original car. Probably not. They've got plenty of artists who can create. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Colin Farrell, uh, in a recent interview, mentioned that he is only in about four or five scenes in The Batman as the Penguin, and his screen time probably only totals about nine minutes. And I feel like they always do this in Batman movies, where they try to cram in as many characters as possible, and one always gets the short end of the stick. (laughs) I'm assuming since, you know, he wasn't really in a lot of the trailers like the Riddler was, it's probably going to be Penguin. Okay. Yeah. 
What do you mean? What do you mean when you say it's probably going to be Penguin? As the one who gets the short under the stick. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we talked about how this is supposed to be like sort of an adaption of Long Halloween. And Long Halloween has a lot of villains that sort of drop in for a couple of panels or a couple of minutes and then drop out. Yeah. So, I don't know. There's that part where Poison Ivy enchants Batman for like a month and then no one ever talks about it again. Yeah. <laughs> Long Halloween's weird. Okay. I feel like they always do this, and it makes me really sad. I mean, you definitely watched the Schumacher movies more than I did. Oh. Did you feel like one of the characters in those ones got the short end of the stick? Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, Bane is in Batman and Robin. That's wild. And he's only in there for, like, a couple of scenes. I don't even think he speaks. Like, he just sort of shows up as a lackey of uh of poison ivy and doesn't doesn't do very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's sort of kind of baffling as to why they would even include him in the movie, other yeah. than that they wanted to like shove in another character. I feel like the only time it's done well is in the Dark Knight because Joker's story and Two Face's story are like interwoven within one another. Yeah, you know, I mean you can fit two. I think two is the maximum number of villains you can have in a Batman movie. They did it with Riddler and and uh and Two Face. They did it with Two Face and Joker. They did it with uh what's his name? Mr. Freeze and and Poison, Poison Ivy. Mm-hmm. Um but as far as it goes, I mean that's the most that you can have. Oh, uh Penguin and Catwoman. So like True. You know, you you can do two villains uh, uh, whatever it is, you know, two, two and a half hours is, is enough time to cover a backstory and sort of set up two villains. But any more than that is is not enough time. Mm-hmm. A movie is not enough time to set up that many villains. Would you count Catwoman as a villain in The Dark Knight Rises? Uh, you know what? That's a that's a movie that suffers from the too many villains because you have Catwoman, you have Bane, and you have Talia al Ghul. Oh, I forgot about Talia. I was so, like, Scarecrow? He's no, only no, in no. one scene. No, no, no. Well, Scare- yeah, Scarecrow's also in the movie, <laughs> yes, but Tal- Talia's in it too. So yeah. that, that one is it falls into that trap of like shoving too many villains into it. It's both too many villains and too many love interests. <laughs> you can't do a Batman movie where he has two girlfriends. That's yeah. not fair. All right. Uh, last piece of news, there have been some early posts on social media about the Suicide Squad, and they are overwhelmingly positive. Now, these aren't critics. These are just people who have seen the movie early for one reason or another. And all of them are saying it's fantastic, it's bloody, it's violent, it's really fun, it mm-hmm. definitely earns its R rating. I'm pretty sure that um, we talked, I don't know if we talked about this last week, but there was a tweet by James Gunn. Uh, or it was an interview. Sorry, it was an interview with James Gunn where he said, like, oh, when I uh, went to Warner Brothers, they asked me to do the Suicide Squad movie. I told them that, like, I, it was my way or the highway, basically. Like, I wanted to do a violent blah, 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 blah. And then the director for the first Suicide Squad movie, like, posted a link to that article and just tweeted, like, that must have been nice, or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Basically saying that, like, his directorial div- uh, vision got, like, run over <laughs> by the execs at Warner Brothers. It's all about clout. You gotta yeah. make make your name as a beloved indie director, and then, you know... They'll one, give you the reins. One of the studios will snap you up and be like, do whatever you want. Exactly. Except, okay, brief interlude. I know we're not a Marvel podcast, but <laughs> we saw Black Widow earlier this week, and it was good. It was good. Yeah. If you have, it was have, okay. If you have Disney+, Plus, sure. And, you know, it's fine. I wouldn't say it was good. It was if okay. If you're a Marvel completionist, you won't be disappointed. It's, it's all right. There's some great character moments. It was a passable film. My point is that... <laughs> A lot of these Marvel movies, they render the action scenes years in advance before the script is even written. And that's one of the reasons why the first director they approached for Black Widow turned it down because they were like, don't worry about the action scenes. We'll take care of it. And she's like, well, I would like to direct the action scenes. And they were like, no. And she's like, "Okay, then I'll pass. And you can totally tell that they're just completely different styles when you watch these movies. Like uh, Black Panther, for instance, like mm-hmm. uh, Ryan Coogler's vision just completely goes out the window in the third act because there's this huge giant battle scene with yeah. like rhinoceroses yeah, that they, they have like, already rendered. They like fight on a train yeah. and stuff. And it's like, why are they doing this? Yeah. But it's just it's it's the it's the nature of the beast. 
But yeah, make a name for yourself as a beloved indie director and then go to Marvel and be like, I want to do this. And you'll be able to have most of your vision except for the action scenes. <laughs> except for the action yeah. scenes. DC's kind of getting there. We'll see how much of James Gunn we feel in this movie. Probably a lot. Probably like I said, lot. it seems like he, he got, you know, full directorial uh, authority yeah, for the whole thing. Uh, one other thing that I wanted to mention, I saw one tweet that just made me really happy uh, and mentioned that Idris Elba's Bloodsport and David Dasmelkian's Polka Dot Man are complete standouts in this film, which I'm just super thrilled about Polka Dot Man and David Dasmelkian. Uh, I feel like he really needs to be a big, well-known character actor after this movie. And I really can't wait for the Polka Dot Man standalone film. Mm. I think it's going to be great. <laughs> Super excited. <laughs> I don't think we're getting a Polka Dot Man standalone mm, film. Let me dream. I don't think so. Do you want to review? I, you know what? He might show up in, uh, what is that? That John Cena one. Um, oh, yeah. Peacemaker? Yeah, Peacemaker Could television be. show. He probably, probably, hopefully, maybe. Hopefully, if he lives. If he lives through this. Do you want to review Space Jam? Yeah, sure. We watched Space Jam. We talked about it last week. They There was a, a scene from it posted. Uh, it was very interesting to see all they crammed into the DC world. Yeah, Rosario Dawson is in this movie as Wonder Woman. <laughs> yeah, she. so she's the voice actress for Wonder Woman in the Justice League cartoons. Yeah. They used her in... It's sort of a mix of the Justice League cartoon and the character in the Wonder Woman movies. Yeah. Because they go through, like, the... the uh, Not Athena. Um, oh, um... Themyscarin, like, obstacle course. Yes. Where they go and, and do all the things. Lola Bunny is forced to go through it to become an Amazon. Yeah. Oh, she chooses to. <laughs> um, yeah. At first, when she spoke, and I was like, this is very Themyscira, I was like, that's not Gal Gadot, though. And the more I heard her, I was like, no, that's Rosario Dawson. Yeah, yeah. Who's in all Which the is great, Justice you know? League films. But I mentioned last week that there's a cameo by Superman and Jimmy Olsen. There's a ton of other cameos in the DC world. Yeah. It's all animated series cameos, where you see Alfred from the animated series. There was a woman who I'm pretty sure was supposed to be Harley Quinn, like, out of her costume. Mm-hmm. She had the blonde hair and the big round glasses. You see Lois for like one frame. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of cameos from animated series characters. And then in the in the last act, when they actually finally get to the basketball game, there's a lot of cameos of DC characters that are like from different versions of Batman. So they have like the Danny DeVito uh, Penguin. They have Batman and Robin from the 60s television series. They have Jack Nicholson's Joker. They have Jack Nicholson's Joker. <laughs> they have... um. Uh, the new Joker, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. They have they have both the '60s Catwoman and the '89 1990 and and 1990 Catwoman mm-hmm. and the '89 Catwoman is in it too. There's an '89 Catwoman. Yeah, yeah, in the in the like latex with the with the stitched up fabric and stuff. That's 1990. I thought you were talking about Catwoman from the Catwoman that was in the 2000s. The Catwoman standalone movie. She's also in is it. Is she? <laughs> yeah, she is. Wow. I also saw like Eartha Kit Catwoman in there for a second. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so distracting how many cameos there are that luckily it doesn't matter. I really wasn't paying any attention to like the action on the basketball game because <laughs> I was like, you can't just like give me these like blinking you'll miss it frames yeah. and frames of blinking you'll miss it cameos and not expect me to only be paying attention to that and maniacs like, are in it there's yeah. like the, all every character from the flintstones and the jetsons uh i'm trying to think of other mystery squad is, yeah the mystery the mystery gang, mystery gang. from scooby-doo uh the guys from the clockwork orange jabberjaw uh it's it's wacky One there's of the rockapellas there's way way too many cameos lebron james is also in this movie yeah <laughs> Um, your kids will like it. It's not. It was, you know what? We watched it on Saturday morning while eating cereal. Yeah, it's a, it's a kid's movie. And if you, if you go into it expecting a kid's movie that is on par with like the quality of the first Space Jam. Yeah. You're not going to be, you're not going to be like disappointed. No. It's. It is what it is, you know? It, it is exactly what they set out to do. It's got a very basic, like, father-son uh, reconciliation plot. And, and, you know, that's what it is. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. It's cute. You'll enjoy it if you enjoyed the first Space Jam and if you enjoy sort of basic kids' movies. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you want to get to the comic? Yeah, sure. Batman yeah. number 139. Mm-hmm. 1961? Yep. Okay. 
The writer was Bill Finger. The penciler and inker was Sheldon Moldoff. And the letter was Stan Starkman. Before we get to the actual story that we're reading, which is about Batgirl, I do want to go over something that appears in the pages above it, which is uh, one of, another one of those PSA. Mm-hmm. It's a salute to our American Indians PSA. Oh, no. <laughs> So some ignorant racist kid doesn't want to do a play on American Indians because all they ever did was make war, according to him. He is then schooled by the teacher on all the things that they invented, uh, famous Indians throughout history, including Jim Thorpe, who I looked up. He's an Olympic gold medalist in the pentathlon. Mm-hmm. He had his gold medals uh, taken away from him, stripped oh. from him for professionalism or something. Okay. And then they were reinstated later on, like after his death. Okay. And they talk about steel workers, how, how the American Indians are steel workers, especially in New York City. They, they put up a lot of the large buildings. I watched a whole like documentary on it when I went to construction school. <laughs> it's interesting. I like that. I see they mentioned Maria Tallchief, the famous ballerina. Yeah. It's very yeah. cool. And uh, so, yeah, so the kid gets schooled and then he's he's like, oh, OK, I guess we could do a play on the on Indians. <laughs> good. Good to know. You know, um, education is the enemy of ignorance and hate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. So uh, let's get into the comic then. Yeah. Talk about Batgirl. We have our cover where a group of goons with varying levels of commitment to this cobra gimmick <laughs> that we'll get into uh, are fighting off a giant weeble that looks like the devil <laughs> while a red palette swapped huntress in a mini dress looks on. Okay, it's not a weeble. It's the opposite of a weeble. It's it's top heavy. Oh, okay. Cause it's a balloon yes. that looks like the devil, which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I, I, I will not stop obsessing over how some of them are dressed like full cobras and some of them just have the headpieces. Yeah, they're, yeah, it's it's like one guy is dressed in a full snake costume, the other guys are wearing regular suits and then just sort of have the snake headpiece. Yeah, maybe a little cape. Uh-huh. So we open in media res as the Bat family, consisting of Father Batman, Mother Batwoman, and little baby Robin <laughs> are engaged in fierce battle with the Cobra gang. And the panel describes them as being crimedom's newest threat. Perhaps that's why not all of them have full costumes just yet. (laughs) One cobra fires a circle of electronic energy called an energy ring at the heroes from a device that kind of looks like an old-timey flash camera. And it doesn't seem to immediately cause them pain. And it isn't really clear what exactly its intended effects are because... The evildoers are interrupted by Batgirl flying in on a curtain. Okay, it says that they're at some sort of exhibit for new scientific equipment. Mm -hmm. What in the world does this, like, what sort of scientific purpose does this ring of electricity serve? I guess if you were gonna, like, I don't know, shoot it at an electronic device to immediately power it up. I don't know what it's supposed to do to them. It doesn't seem like it hurts. I, it just seems like it, it's trapping them. It seems more like a force field. Okay. Like it's trapping them in a, in a field of electricity. And he says something about like constricting the ring. So he'll like push them all together. Okay. And then he'll stab them. I don't know. I guess. Something like that. Mm-hmm. It's really just to, to delay them so they can get away with the loot, which I guess, I don't know, is the loot, the scientific, the scientific inventions, I guess. Yeah. So Batgirl. Uh, I want to talk about her outfit really quickly. Obviously, the dress is super cute, Mm -hmm. and I like that the mask mirrors Batwoman's, which we'll see the reason for that later. I'm just a little put off by the red and green color scheme. It's Uh like a little too Christmas for me. Well, okay. Here's what I will say about it is that the red and green is reminiscent of Robin. Robin also wears red and green. She sort of matches Robin. Oh, well, she's blonde. She is blonde. Yeah. You know what? I see it. Okay. Yeah. She, she's basically like a playoff of Robin. It needs just a little bit more yellow. Her hair is not enough. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the belt should be yellow. Maybe. <laughs> so amazingly, Batgirl swings in, kicks away the bad guy, switches off the electronic ring, and swings back out the window without once letting go of the drapes, <laughs> which yeah. is great. Yeah, somehow she maintains enough momentum yeah. to, like, get back out mm-hmm. or pushes herself off the ground. 
As Batman finishes off the Cobra gang, Robin, sensing they might have something in common, wonders who this mysterious Batgirl is. Mm -hmm. The mystery doesn't last long for Batwoman, a.k.a. Kathy Kane, as she arrives home to find her niece Betty still in costume in her Lady Batcave. (laughs) And they don't show much of the Lady Batcave, but I have to assume that instead of, like, computer and laboratory equipment, it has, like, vanities and typewriters and well, maybe maybe some kind of machine that can analyze the chemical compounds found in lipstick. <laughs> we do see some lab equipment later in the... I was also going to say, comic. this isn't the first time that we've seen Batwoman's cave. Mm-hmm. And I do know... The Lady Bat Cave. The, the, the one thing that I do know that she has is a giant portrait of herself. <laughs> yes, yes, obviously. You gotta have that. So even though this is her niece, Kathy apparently didn't realize that Betty was Batgirl until she addressed her as Aunt Kathy, because masks that cover your cheekbones are literally magic, as we have always seen in comic books. It's basically just a masquerade mask. Yeah, basically. So we flash back to Betty arriving a few days before, completely unexpectedly, off of some vague invitation that Kathy said she should visit her sometime. Why is Betty showing up unannounced, even if Kathy told her she could? Whose daughter is she? What's what's so rough at home that she's having to have this extended stay with her aunt? She's literally like, well, here I am. Yeah, she just shows up and she's like, you told me I could visit, so I took the invitation. Mm-hmm. Not like you told me I could visit this week. Like, you told me I could visit anytime. Mm-hmm. And I decided to show up without calling or writing. At least send a letter. I know it's the 60s, but at least send a letter and be like, I will be there on... The 15th. If you ha- aren't going to be there, please send back correspondence yeah. by this time. Yeah, yeah, you know. exactly. Like, 60s She just shows up unannounced, mm-hmm. and then Kathy's like, oh, I guess I gotta deal with this kid now. Yeah. And, like, I, my question is, what's so bad at home that she did this? Like, what's happening? We never get... Also, Parents I wanna... are kidnapped by the McCarthy... McCarthyism. Yeah, there you go. They're, they're communists and they had to flee the country. They were they were part of the Un-American Activities Board or yeah. whatever. They, they, uh, they got They captured. ran afoul <laughs> of Roy Cohn. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's wild. And also, I want to mention, this is part of Bat Family Matters that we're going to cover later, but you never get to learn, like, who she's the daughter of you don't know if it's kathy's brother's daughter or kathy's sister's daughter they only say that she's her aunt she's just a niece yeah they don't give her like dad's name or her mom's name or whatever yeah (laughs) ever as an introvert who has a difficult time hosting this would be my nightmare (laughs) especially with how unpresentable my living areas usually look um (laughs) but kathy's a millionaire though so she probably has like a lady butler yeah, like, yeah. or at least somebody who comes once a week to clean yeah. everything. Yeah. Her only concern is that Betty is going to wonder where she goes at night when she prowls the streets as Batwoman. Mm-hmm. What lies would you tell her yeah, in order well, to, like, break her suspicion? Here's my question, right? So the next panel we see, Betty's like, oh, I wonder where she is. Was Kathy, Kathy's, like, so dumb that she doesn't even come up with a cover story? I don't think so. Like, okay, here was my, you asked me what mine was. I was like... She could just tell her that she goes and plays bridge with other ladies. like But you know. like late into the night. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, we got a late night bridge club that I go to. She's not going to check. And if she asked, be like, no, it's adults only. <laughs> we drink or whatever. Yeah. Like, I had a similar thought. My well, my first thought was good. It was pure. Uh, I would tell her I'm volunteering at a hospital. Mm-hmm. Be like doing like charitable mm-hmm. philanthropy things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, or I would say I'm an alcoholic and I like to go home with a different man every night. <laughs> Who's she, who's she going to tell? Who, what does it matter? Um, but yeah, you're right. Kathy apparently tells her nothing as we see Betty wondering where Kathy goes at night and remarking that she can't have a boyfriend since he never comes over to the house. And since this is the early 60s, I guess it's inconceivable that she would just be going out and sleeping with different men every night. <laughs> or maybe she just doesn't want to bring her boyfriend back to a house where her weird unannounced guest has decided <laughs> to squat for an undetermined period of time. <laughs> It's so wild. I just... The, Kathy makes Batman look way more competent by comparison. Like, I know Batman is supposed to be world's greatest detective, but we've also argued on this podcast that one of his greatest powers is the power of luck. Yeah. And he just sort of stumbles into stuff. Mm-hmm. Kathy sort of proves the opposite of this, where she is... Dumb as rocks. Yeah. Like she, there's, she couldn't even she give can fight. a cover story. She I'll couldn't give her even that. get a cover story for this. No. Okay, keep going. 
So just then, Betty sees Batwoman on television thwarting some thieves who are robbing a building full of school supplies. And conveniently, a news cameraman just happened to be on the scene. Were you going to mention what the school supplies are? Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. Okay. So Batwoman pushes the thieves into some boxes, sending a shower of gold stars pouring over the fight. Uh, And Betty then notices a few gold stars falling out of Kathy's hairbrush that she's probably using without asking first. (laughs) And the secret identity of Batwoman is revealed. Okay, so gold stars as school supplies. I just had a question. Did you have these growing up? Did you? Stickers. Yeah, okay. I did too. Where, like, I want to say in, like, first grade or whatever, they would do, like, a, oh, if you do good, if you do well enough, you get a gold star for the day or something like that. And you get enough gold stars, maybe you get, like, an ice cream or something. That's nice. No, we didn't really do that. We would get um, the best thing in fifth grade. We had these things called scholar dollars uh-huh. where you get a scholar dollar if you like did really well on something, if you answered a question right. And then you could trade them in at like the teacher's desk for different things. And I remember she had like a whole bunch of like, you know, coupons for like Rita's water ice, like a small water ice uh-huh. or something. You get scholar we had dollars. that sort of stuff in like Sunday school yeah. too, where it's like just sort of this tedious thing that, that they use. <laughs> Apparently, I read an article on, I read like a think piece on Medium, and it talked about gold stars being used for behavior modification. And they were like, you know, teachers will tell you that the hardest time to control a kid's behavior is right around the time that they realize that gold stars are meaningless. I mean, I kind of do something like this at work, but they do actually get like a prize. Like a prize at the, at the end. end yeah. We don't do like stars, but like if we, if, if people do enough of like what I tell them to do, or they'll like keep a tally. I'll set a goal. I'll be like, do this X amount of times. We'll keep a tally. And if we get that goal, I'll be like, great, free Starbucks for everybody. Mm, mm. So it doesn't not work. (laughs) It does. Yeah, no, it's it's for extrinsic motivation. It's for behavior modification. I will say, however, that like gold stars and just like scores on tests really messed me up as a kid. As someone who like considers myself a completionist, I used to get really, really angry when I didn't get hundreds. Yeah, well, GPA, that's another thing that they keep you, to try try and keep you under their thumb. It'd be like, oh, it's very important. It'll be on your permanent record. Your job, your bosses don't give a... Who cares? Yeah. (laughs) Just graduate. Just get that meaningless little piece of paper. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And then, you know... skip degrees. Think think about the life experiences that you have in high school and college. Yeah, definitely. Use... The thing that matters more than your GPA is using the resources that you have available at the time. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of times I would give anything to be to have the the supplies and opportunities that school and like college afforded me all yeah. the time because they have a lot Make of resources. Make friends with your teachers. <laughs> yeah. Go, go to their office hours and just like, you know, shoot the breeze. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's... You'll probably learn more than you would in class yeah. <laughs> or reading the book. Always super fun. <clears throat> All right, so that's how Betty knew how her aunt was Batwoman. Yeah, she found gold stars in her hairbrush. That she stole. So Betty tells her aunt that she made her Christmassy costume herself and trailed her tonight. And Kathy is obviously concerned about many parts of this story. (laughs) But she cuts to the chase and orders Betty to never be Batgirl again. However, inspired by girl power, Betty replies that she knows she can be Batgirl and she wants... Her and Kathy to be a team like the dynamic duo. Mm. And Kathy knows that while her niece may be a burden, she's definitely not in any shape to fight off criminals. And if she dies, her sister or whoever would be really mad. (laughs) (laughs) So Kathy seeks out Batman's advice on the rooftop of the GCPD, the best place to go to smack talk your relatives behind their backs. (laughs) And Batman and Robin advise Kathy to stall Betty by training her forever until she gets burnt out and decides to go home. Uh uh Kathy, of course, loves this idea and immediately gets to work training Betty in everything she needs to be a crime fighter, namely tightrope walking and reading books about criminal law. So I guess she needs to know what's illegal before she goes out prowling. (laughs) I did want to mention when they when she's talking to Batman, Robin also tagged along and he makes a remark about like, wow, a girl, a girl could get hurt, blah, 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 which is like a little sexist, but also super sexist. Being a little realist, too. She's just a little boy. She could get hurt. The only prereqs that Robin had before he became Robin were being a trapeze artist. (laughs) And like, who thinks that that could really translate into being a crime fighter? That's actually, there's a comic that I actually kind of like. It was, I want to say it was early on in the New 52. It was, I think, the Batgirl run after her spine got better. And she went back to being Batgirl. She's like, you know, she's out 
patrolling with Dick and she's talking about how like both of them are like really athletic and she's like he had you know trapeze training and I used to do gymnastics and I'm like that doesn't I wouldn't want Simone Biles to like go out there and start like swinging on rooftops. Oh man, I would love that though. She falls sometimes. Even Simone falls sometimes. I guess so. It's not safe. (laughs) It's, I just, I can't believe that she's like, oh yeah, I like did gymnastics as a kid. That's Mm -hmm. why I'm like able to like jump from rooftop to rooftop. Listeners, let's get a petition started to get a costume for Simone Biles to fight crime. Yeah, I mean, she's going to retire from gymnastics in a couple weeks. So what's she she going to do next? What's she going to do next? And it should be fighting crime. Should be fighting crime. Move to a high crime area. Absolutely. (laughs) Start. I think honestly, what she's gonna do, what her plan is, is to move to Belize and sit on a beach forever. Uh, and that's honestly, that's the life I want for her. <laughs> <laughs> so, criminal law is one of the things she's learning. Mm-hmm. And then there's another book there that we later see says a police manual. And I figured maybe that's a list of those like codes that cops tell each other over. Uh, their radios. So if she's listening on a scanner, she can tell what's going on. Or could, could be like the training that police receive on like, you know, uncovering clues and... Uh, detective stuff. Yeah, reading people and stuff like that. Yeah. <clears throat> so after what's probably about like three days, Betty says, F this. I know I won't <laughs> die. And she decides to do the only detectiving in this story. For some reason, Kathy has a shoe from one of the arrested Cobra gang members, and Betty decides to analyze its particles in the Lady Bat Cave. So using the Lady Microscope, she discovers cellulose acetate, which is used in the manufacture of gunpowder and rayon. Mm. And back into the Christmas suit she goes, ready to hunt down every bit of cellulose in the city. And it doesn't take long for Betty to find the gang, including one member whose full costume finally arrived in the mail. <laughs> and she decides to distract them with a self-inflating balloon from her crime compact, which, have you seen Totally Spies? Did oh, you watch that show? Oh, you know what? I didn't, I didn't watch it, but I have, like, seen it on TV and stuff. Like, I didn't watch it religiously or whatever. Yeah, love Totally Spies. Okay. Uh, got very Totally Spies vibes from yeah. the, the crime compact. I think the cr- crime compact is something that Kathy has as well. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that she uh, also has, like, a womanly way to fight crime. Yeah, she doesn't have a utility belt. Yeah, which is- well, which is weird why doesn't she have stuff in her belt? She has a belt. Women's belts can't be functional? (laughs) Nope, neither can their pockets. It's weird because, like, do you ever see how much space is inside a compact? It's not much, Not a lot. No. Really none. Well, there's not that much space inside of Batman's utility belt either, but he, like, pulls stuff out of hammer space. I guess so. (laughs) Makes sense. So the balloon inflates and startles the foes. But before Batgirl can get the drop on them, the balloon pops in her face, rendering her startled and thus entirely useless. <laughs> and in no time at all, they shove her into an office, but make no attempts to tie her up. I was going to say, so <laughs> why? what are they doing that's so important that they can't have at least one guy guarding her? Nope. Can't do it. Like They're busy. They just, just like, oh, we're going to throw her in this office. Uh, no restraints, no, like, they didn't, it's not like they locked a window or anything, Mm -hmm. like. (laughs) Remember, Joshua, they are, uh, Crimedom's newest threat. They're still getting, still getting their footing. They also have stupid looking costumes. They do. And why are they wearing their costumes while they're in their hideout? They also never explain anything about the Cobra gimmick. It's just sort of... These are their costumes. Yeah, like they don't even they don't they don't speak like snakes. They don't commit snake themed crimes. They're just dressed like snakes. Although they don't I guess worship a snake. I guess that's the same as that like gorilla gang that we saw in that other comic where they. I will not stand for gorilla gang slander on this podcast. They just stole stuff. It wasn't gorilla themed. <laughs> but like the gorilla suits, at least like hid who they were. These what these suits they have masks. I get is that really it? It's just to hide who they are? Yeah. Maybe. And also got it's Gotham. You gotta have a gimmick. You gotta have a gimmick, or else you're not gonna be. Even if to... it's a not well thought out gimmick. No. You're right, you're right. <laughs> so Betty realizes that she might have been in over her head after all, but left alone with copious amounts of office supplies, <laughs> she soon comes up with a plan. And out of the exhaust vent come tons of little paper bats. And a passing boy who's wearing one of those, like, Archie crown hats uh, knows that he has to call the GCPD immediately when he sees all these falling bats. Mm-hmm. The Bat family soon arrive and start kicking butt. 
However, one remembers, one member of the Cobra gang remembers their hostage and soon arrives with Betty at gunpoint. Yeah, well, he yells to his, his comrades, hold them off, as they're getting their, like, butts kicked, and he just kind of, like, runs away and grabs Betty with a gun. Yeah. Betty only pretends to be a weak little girl and starts to faint, only to karate chop the gunman's arm and start kicking butt alongside her teammates. Mm-hmm. Robin does still belittle her. He gets he gets one in, yeah. <laughs> uh, saying she's not bad for a girl. Not bad for a girl. And after the criminals have been booked, Betty admits that she maybe does need a little more training, but she now has proven to her aunt that someday she will be a worthy sidekick. And mm. Betty ends the comic by voicing her hope that someday she and Robin can work together on a case, and the 12-year-old boy feels the stirrings of manhood for the very first time. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that's yeah. the end of the comic. Any- Moral of the story, uh, your aunt's not doing anything. Just, you know, show up. <laughs> Just show up. Just show up. Put, it, put yourself in her life. Make her have to make up excuses. <laughs> Be, yeah, make up excuse. Be better. Become better at making up excuses. Always have a backup plan. Good. Always have a good lie. Right. In, right I was going to say, head. good liars uh, are make their way through life very well, as evidenced by our last president. <laughs> yes, very true. <laughs> Sometimes things just work out. If you tell enough lies <clears throat> and you have enough tax loopholes, yeah, things might be okay for you for a I mean, little. I bit. guess just politicians in general. <laughs> yeah. I did want to cover before I get into Bat Family Matters. There's a lot of ads in this comic for like door to door salesman stuff. There's mm-hmm. a lot more of those ads that we've seen before that are uh, like, you know, send us a, a thing, we'll send you a catalog, and then you can sell stuff to people and you can get prizes. <laughs> One of these is a Cloverine Salve, uh, and it's for, it's like a chapped slash chafed skin cure all. Hmm. And the, the ad that they have is they're like, correctly identify these four American figures and we'll, we'll send you stuff to, to start getting prizes. You, you'll, you'll be entered for a chance to win a, a ring that you can put a picture in. Hmm. <laughs> but it's so easy. It reminds me of those things that I told you on like Facebook where they're like, name a fish without a letter E in it or whatever, where it's just a way for them to get your like address. They just want you to enter the contest or enter in to try and get this ring so they can have your address. I don't know. It was interesting. And then I looked up Cloverine South because I had never heard of it before. Mm-hmm. The Museum of American History has a, a tin of Cloverine South and like every there's like they allow comments on their website for some reason and all of the comments are like I sold this when I was a kid (laughs) and uh it doesn't seem like very many people had a lot to say about its actual like curative properties Mm -hmm. there was maybe one thing that I read that was like I use this and I can buy it at CVS now (laughs) (laughs) which was funny and now we get to the part of the podcast where we talk about Batman's family. Yay! Bat family matters. Bat family matters. <laughs> We're talking about Elizabeth or Betty Kane. Uh, this is her Earth 1, Earth 2, kind of unclear pre-crisis. Okay. Uh, Why is it unclear? So Earth 2 was Golden Age, right? Earth yeah. 1 was everything, up in, every, everything after Golden Age up until... Crisis on Infinite Earths. Mm-hmm. We've talked on this podcast before about how, like, canon with Batman in terms of where the line gets drawn on Earth 1 and Earth 2 is kind of loose. Yeah, it's not like he was a different guy, like, he, with the Flash. Exactly, exactly, or Green Lantern or whatever. It's uh, So it's hard to sort of draw the line, and it's the same deal with uh, Betty. So we'll just go with pre-crisis. I'll just call her pre-crisis Betty Kane. Okay. Created by Bill Finger, Sheldon Moldov, in the comic we just read. Um, it's theorized that she was created to dispel the homosexual rumors uh, laid out in Seduction of the Innocent. I feel like that's been like eight different people at this point. Well, we talked about it being Batwoman. And the thing is... And Aunt Harriet. And Aunt Harriet. Aunt Harriet we've disproven because Aunt Harriet wasn't introduced until much, much later. Mm-hmm. Um, Batwoman was introduced in 1956 when the Seduction of the Innocent like came out. Mm-hmm. So it's very plausible that she was 
set in the comics to sort of dispel that rumor. Can you just really quickly recap what Seduction of the Innocent is? For yes. Listeners? So it was it was a book that was written. I don't remember the author, but it was a book that was written that sort of implied that comics were. The going to be the downfall of our youths. They were uh, encouraging all kinds of deviant behavior, like uh, you know homosexuality and violence and bl- like dark magic and stuff. And that's where the comics book code sort of came from. Was this almost like a pre-satanic panic, satanic panic, where they were like. Congress, as they as they do sometimes to different industries, was like, listen, if you guys don't regulate stuff and stop ruining the minds of our children, <laughs> then we'll, we're going to have to step in and the government's going to have to regulate you. And so that's where the comics book code came into effect, basically. You. And so, you know, they weren't allowed to portray a number of things, including, uh, like, the undead and magic and... Uh, you know, there was also sort of this implication that oh, women women being over overtly sexualized was another one. Um, there and I think there was also this implication that it was, needed to be sort of educational, which is why we get a lot of these like science lessons. Yeah, half half baked science uh, <laughs> lessons in these comic books in the Silver Age. But but the thing is about her is that Betty Kane was introduced. Five years after Batwoman's debut and five years after that whole controversy. So it was more likely that she was just capitalizing on Robin's popularity with children. Mm -hmm. And they were like, we got to throw in another child character because Robin is so popular with the kids. Which is why I was telling you, like, earlier when we were reading the comic, that it seems like her costume is a play on Robin's costume. Yeah. You know, she was the first Batgirl... But what sets her Batgirl apart from Barbara's, aside from the costume, is the hyphen between Bat and Girl. Really? Yeah, when you're talking about Betty Kane's Batgirl, it's Bat hyphen Girl. Hmm. Whereas with Barbara Gordon, it's Batgirl. Like, all one word. Hmm. Like Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Hmm. <laughs> exactly. I wonder why some heroes use hyphens and some don't. I guess it's just sort of an aesthetic thing. Yeah, yeah. When the writer is, like, writing down the list of names, and they're like, hmm, what looks better? Yeah, I guess so. It's Or whether they have a the or not, like, the Batman versus Batman, or, like, the Wolverine versus Wolverine. Wolverine is in two words. No, it's not. <laughs> but, like, does he go by the Wolverine? Not usually. Usually it's just Wolverine. Yeah, that's true. Batman gets a gets a the before it is what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. Same with his villains. The Riddler, the Joker, the Catwoman. No. no, no. No, it's just Catwoman. Just Catwoman. That's weird. Why why is that? That's some language thing that we are not smart enough to know. No. <laughs> like some reason why certain names sound better with the in front of them and other ones don't. The Calendar Man. No. Cal- just Calendar Man, I think. Yeah. The Riddler. The Planet Master, right? Mr. Freeze. Yeah. It's sort of like a title almost. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose so. Okay. Well, anyway, back to Betty Kane. Betty joined Batman and Robin and Batwoman on just six adventures from her introduction in 1961. Seven, if you count one of those, like, Alfred typewriter fanfiction stories where she becomes the new Batwoman alongside of, uh, you know, Robin becoming Batman 2 and Bruce's son becoming uh, Robin 2. Right. If you would like to learn more about that... Go back to our uh, Damian Wayne episode, uh, Bruce Bruce Jr. <laughs> Love Bruce Jr. <laughs> so like her Aunt Kathy, she would disappear from the comics after Julius Schwartz take, took over as the editor. It wasn't until over a decade later in 1977 when she would reappear as a tennis star and spring back into action to help out the West Coast Teen Titans. But... This only lasted for three issues. Hmm. She only appears in two issues after this. One of them being like a Teen Titans, they're all gathering for a wedding. 
and she's just sort of like a character that's in the background. And then another one that's a, I think it's called The Bat Family is the title of the magazine. And she shows up for a couple of panels. She, I don't know if she meets Barbara Gordon. She's in the same comic as Barbara Gordon. So it's like the old Batgirl and the new Batgirl are sort of it, together in a comic. Cute. Although at that point, Barbara was already like 13 years in continuity. So, so uh, yeah. <clears throat> anyway, she disappears again after that final appearance in like the late 70s. I want to say 79 and doesn't show up again until after the Crisis on Infinite Earths. And we've talked about that. It was a big comic book event, rebooted the entire DC universe. Batgirl does show up, like, this version of Batgirl with her specific costume shows up in more modern comics like Batman R.I.P. and Batman Incorporated as, like, a flashback of, like, oh, that time that Batman met Batwoman. But it's not clear if that's supposed to be Betty or if it's, like a character that exists in modern canon that is, looks just the same as Betty. I don't know. It's weird. Those comics are weird. The Batman R.I.P. one that I'm talking about is all, like, created in Batman's mind anyway. And that's where, like, we get that Eraser cameo and the Gaggy cameo and yeah. stuff. So that's, like, not really canon anyway. Like her aunt, she has gimmicked cosmetics, like we talked about earlier. She has her crime compound and she pulls various different... Compact. Sorry, compact, uh, where she <laughs> grabs stuff out of it and uses it to fight crime, uh, much in the way that Batman's utility belt works. And she is, you know, semi-skilled in martial arts and in acrobatics and, you know, all the basic things you need to do to be a crime fighter in the Batman she can family. She walk and she's read two books. And she, yeah, she can do some crime investigation stuff. So... After Crisis on Infinite Earths, in 1989, the character gets reintroduced under the name Bet. Now, I looked this up, and there isn't actually a whole lot of media that gets adapted where Betty slash Bet Kane is in. So it's B-E-T-T-E. -T -T -E. They change it from Betty to Bet. And her full name is Mary Elizabeth Kane. She goes by... Bet. But there are some women who spell it like that and it's pronounced Betty, like Betty Davis. Okay, here's here's what I was going to say, okay. is that the only adaption of the character that we have where, like, somebody says it out loud, and I didn't check to see if there was, like, any interviews or anything where they talked about her and, like, listened to see what the writer said, but in Young Justice, the character shows up. She does? And her name is Bet. Like, they, they pronounce it Bet. When? I She's, like, goes to school with Artemis, I'm pretty sure. She's, like, one of the school kids that's at school with Artemis. It's like a blink and you'll miss it kind of Pretty thing. much, yeah. And she's, like, not in costume. She's just, like, a character named Bet Kane, and that's it. Hmm. And okay. she, so she shows up, and that's where I'm, I'm saying, like, from now on I'm going to pronounce it Bet. Uh, it could be Betty, but it's B-E-T-T-E, -T -T -E, okay? All right. So uh, just so you know the difference, because it's going to get even more confusing later on. <laughs> Call her Lilibet, like the queen. No. <laughs> All right. I tried. So yeah, you could pronounce it the same, but, you know, with an E instead of a Y. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pronounce it Bet, so we know who we're talking about. This version kept the tennis player uh, aspect and retold her as joining the Titans West but no longer being Catherine Kane's niece, and instead joined the heroing business and made herself a costume because she was both a thrill seeker and was also head over heels for Robin. Mm. And she tried heroing to gain his attention. Basically, she joined because she was enamored by Robin. She had sent him fan mail and, like, didn't receive responses and was like, I know how I'll get his attention. I'll fight crime. I'm already good at, uh, you know, extreme sports, so I will, <laughs> I will fight crime as well. Instead of Batgirl... She took the moniker of Flamebird, and it's it's interesting because, again, I told you this story retells the Titans arc that she was in uh, just, just like 10 years earlier. And so it's like the exact same story of they're on a ship and she's playing tennis and then she changes into a hero costume, but the difference is, you know, back before 
Crisis on Infinite Earths. She was in her Batgirl costume. This one is a Flamebird costume. And this one sort of looks like Nightwing's costume. It's uh, red instead of blue. And it's also an in-joke because it relates to the Superman duo of Nightwing and Flamebird, where they're like superheroes on the the planet of, or sorry, the city of Kandor, the, the shrunken city that Brainiac has, um, that's Kryptonian, that Superman visits every once in a while, he shrinks down, you know. Size tourism. Yeah, we've talked about this before. Again, this is one of those things, if you want to learn more about uh, Nightwing and Flamebird, uh, you can go back to our Nightwing episode, <laughs> our, our Robin Dick Grayson episode. When Bet finally meets Robin, he brushes her off and she realizes that there's no chemistry between him. She's basically like getting all worked up fangirly. And then when she finally meets him, he's like, we need to focus on the mission. I don't have time for like this girl to be fawning over me. <laughs> Never meet your heroes. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. Except Kevin Conroy. He was delightful. <laughs> You just got to rub it in my, my face every single time, don't you? <laughs> I don't mean to. I feel so guilty that you weren't there with me. That's okay. I got to meet Robin, which is... That's true. <laughs> yeah, he was a nice guy. <laughs> he was okay. And you did tell him that I met Kevin. I think I did. I did. Um, the thing is, is that you got a picture with Kevin for free and I, I had to pay him money. <laughs> he, I think it was like 60 bucks for a, a photo, mm. which I didn't pay for. I just paid $40 for like a signature. It's probably for the best. Listen, you just got to be lucky and uh, find them in the airport and have the courage to accost them. <laughs> I didn't accost him. We were going on the same flight and we happened to be in security line at the same time. And he asked if I wanted a picture. He wanted a picture with me. But it's weird that he used my phone. <laughs> and he didn't give me his number to forward it to him, but that's fine. <laughs> oh, man. So after Betty Jones Titans West, they disband. And uh, Bet makes several attempts to reunite them, finding that uh, nothing thrills her like hearing work. So mm. she goes back to playing tennis and doing extreme sports, but nothing really scratches that itch of doing heroing work. An adrenaline junkie. Yeah, yeah. I guess I should also mention in this section that it is heavily implied in one of the comics that she slept with Hawk from the duo of Hawk and Dove. Gross. Who is also a member of the Titans West. So she teams up with Beast Boy at some point to clear his name. This was in a Beast Boy run that was like later on, I want to say mid-2000s. And uh, he was framed for crimes by a criminal named Gemini who blamed Beast Boy for her mother's death. Um, but Betty helped him clear his name and they became friends. And she tried to get him to restart the Titans West, and they fell apart again, mm. basically. She briefly joins a Young Justice team, but that also sort of fell apart. She, I don't think it's because of her, but, like, every team she seems to join doesn't stay together for that long. The common denominator. <laughs> or was it just they were trying to recreate the, like, lightning in a bottle of uh, Teen Titans Marv Wolfman's Teen Titans and they just couldn't. Yeah, yeah. They, they like, were grasping at characters. They're like, ah, it. who do teenagers like? Throw them all together. <laughs> Shoot, we're just copying Titans again. Scrap it. Yeah, they probably... New ideas. They probably should not have... Uh, if, that, if that's what they were going for, they probably shouldn't have used a Silver Age character that only had, like, six appearances. No, probably not for the best. So when Kate Kane, the current Batwoman, uh, after... Crisis on Infinite Earths, she is introduced in 2006, and Betty is revealed to be her cousin. And what makes this weird is that Kate has a twin sister who is named Elizabeth and who is a villain. Okay. <laughs> so so Kate, Kate Kane, Batwoman, mm -hmm. has a sister named Elizabeth mm -hmm. and also a cousin named Mary Elizabeth. Okay. I mean, this can happen. There's several Charleses in your family. I suppose. To further confuse things, Kay Kane's mother is named Catherine with a C. Okay. So, so. And Kathy Kane didn't make it into the post-crisis world, did she? Well, okay. Okay. Here's the weird thing. Okay. So, <laughs> so Kathy Kane, pre-crisis is killed by the League of Assassins. Okay. 
and post-crisis doesn't show up until, like, a Batwoman run when she shows up as, there's, like, an impersonator of her and Kate Kane is, like, fighting her and is like, oh, Kathy died years ago. (laughs) Not too far away from those Lazarus pits, though. Even though, no, no, because it's an imposter. Okay. It's an imposter, but even though, like, she hadn't been in continuity before. Uh Uh-huh. And there's no, like, she doesn't really have a place in the Kate, sorry, the Kane family tree. (laughs) I think she ends up, if you do end up placing her in the Kane family tree, she's like another cousin or something. Okay. So she's not, she's not Mary Elizabeth, Bet. She's not her aunt anymore. She's just a character who existed. Okay. And Cassandra Kane has nothing to do with anybody in this family at all, right? I don't think so. I think it's spelled differently. Okay. <laughs> I don't think so. I could be wrong. And none of them are related to Bob Kane either, right? Well, Bob Kane is the <laughs> he's, he's the guy who created Batman. Isn't that weird that he's like, oh, I'll create Batwoman and name her after me. No, he didn't create Batwoman. Oh, right. right. No. It was Sheldon Moldov created Batwoman. Yeah. No, you're right. And Bill Finger. And Bill Finger, yeah. <laughs> Do you think that was kind of like a slight against Bob? He was like, I'm going to create a sexy lady Batman and name him after Bob Kane. <laughs> a real idiot of a Batwoman. Yeah. <laughs> just keeps getting captured. She's and needs bad to be- at superheroing, bad at covering her track. She's a moron. <laughs> she gets tied to a fan. Who am I name her after? <laughs> Bob. <laughs> I love it. I mean, there's so many things named Kane. Just because, like, Bob Kane was creator of Batman. Like, there's streets named Kane, buildings named, like, Kane whatever. Bridges. Yeah, bridges. uh, (laughs) Entire families of people. Uh, Oh, I did want to say this about... (laughs) Just go on a little side tangent about Kate Kane's sister, Elizabeth. Okay. We're not talking about Bet. We're okay. talking about Elizabeth. Lilibet Kane. Got it. Um, she's a member of the religion of crime. Okay. She, okay, she's a Batwoman villain. I'm so, listening. Okay. Tell me, tell me, tell me the good news. They follow the crime bible. Oh. That's, the crime the crime bull. Uh, the crime bull. <laughs> yes. They follow the crime bible. She also goes by the name Alice. And speaks in Alice in Wonderland quotes, which is gimmick infringement on the Bad Hatter. Absolutely. Have they ever met? I don't know. I really, I didn't have enough time to do like research into both Betty and Elizabeth, the character. Because there's, Elizabeth doesn't show up until like mid 2000s when the whole Batwoman run is is happening. Um, So there's not as much, but she is a major character that's like a major foil to Batwoman because she's her twin sister and also is like a bad guy. Mm -hmm. I think she also, she calls herself like Alice something, Red Alice or something later on. She changes from just Alice to something else. Okay. Well, let's get back to, to Bet Kane. The character has a tenuous relationship, we'll call it, with continuity. Okay. <laughs> In New 52, they did not reboot her, but when she meets her cousin Kate, Kate like demotes her to a character that she calls Plebe forcing her to wear, like, a plain gray uniform. So she she says, like, you can't be Flamebird anymore. You have to be this, like, plebe character. Bet does this for a little bit, and, and, and it's supposed to be, like, Kate training her to be better at fighting crime, which is weird because she was part of the Titans at one point. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm saying, like, this is weird that, like, Kate would be like, oh, you've been superheroing for, like, a few years now. I guess I should train you and demote you. Doesn't make any sense. Bet eventually ditches this. She jumps into the fray as Flamebird, like, basically doing what she did in the comic that we just read, where she was like, this is taking too long. F this. Yeah, this is taking too long. I don't want to have to, like, be under her wing forever. Goes out as Flamebird and immediately ends up being beaten and hospitalized. Uh (laughs) Um, Put into a coma. So after she wakes from that coma, she uses pyrotechnic technology to become a new character who is called Hawkfire. 
Okay. That has like fire powers. Okay. And she assists Wonder Woman and Batwoman before she hangs up that costume after another capture and beating. <laughs> she she has a, a, a very bad track record. Mm-hmm. Um, she continues to assist Kate behind the scenes, though. So she shows up in the Batwoman car- comics after hanging up the f- Hawkfire name and costume. In 2017, in a Rebirth comic, she asks Kate if she can join the Bat family as Flamebird, and Kate tells her to focus on school. And that is the last that we see of Bet Kane. <laughs> it's pretty... I'd be like, focus on school? I'm 50 years old. <laughs> unclimactic. Yeah, it's... It's I've been really, around since 1961. Yeah, it's bizarre that she gets sort of passed over as much as she does. And it seems like every single time she appears in the comics, she, like, either the team that she's on falls apart and she doesn't get to be a superhero because she's not part of a team and doesn't, like, carve out a name for herself, or she tries to carve out a name for herself and then immediately gets, like, you know, captured and beat to a pulp to the point where, like, she can't fight crime anymore for Mm. a while. Well, let me ask you a question that I'm going to steal from one of my favorite YouTubers, Todd in the Shadows, who does a nice series called One Hit Wonderland, where he explores artists and bands that have only had one hit. Okay. At the end of every episode, he asks, did they deserve better? (laughs) Does she deserve better? Um, it's, It's hard to say because... Barbara Gordon is a great Batgirl. And we've also had other Batgirls that have taken up the mantle who have been interesting characters. We've talked about Spoiler and uh, Stephanie Brown Mm -hmm. being Batgirl and how that's like an interesting story. Like her father was a villain and that sort of gives her this interesting inner turmoil. And it's sort of the same deal with Barbara Gordon where like her dad is the chief of police and she needs to keep her identity secret from him and balance, you know, all the other stuff that a teenager has to balance. They never really have, I mean, I guess Stephanie a little bit. They never have Batgirl really go through, like, a big personal tragedy before becoming Batgirl like they usually do with Robins. Hmm. Like, it's really those tragedies that, like, you know, forge their way into like dedicating their lives to fighting crime vigilantism yeah yeah yeah. and that's you know batman has stayed in the game so long and dick grayson has stayed in the game so long and then you get you know characters like tim who i mean yeah there was some tragedy in his life but he wasn't robin for a super long time or you have jason who also you know yeah there's some tragedy in his life but nothing like gigantic it's weird because well you say that he ended up being a villain you say that and we haven't really i know we've gone over almost every we did like every other robin except for tim but tim doesn't really have that much of a tragic backstory the only reason he becomes robin is because he figures out who batman i'm a boy detective yeah he's like a great detective and that's how he becomes robin yeah and he's got i feel like he's got more dedication to it just because is like he feels like he needs to earn his way you know more he he was the one that uh came to batman and basically asked can you take me on whereas batman took the other robins like under his wing mm-hmm. uh, uh, under his own volition so tim feels like he has more to prove i think i feel like we don't have any batgirls who had like a big personal tragedy before becoming batgirl i mean obviously barbara's spine got broken but that was after she'd been batgirl for a while yeah that's true and that was really in the service of another of other characters but whatever we're not going to talk about that right now um <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, Stephanie was just like, ah, I'm going to be Robin for a little bit. I'm yeah. not going to be Batgirl. Now I'm going to be something different. Yeah, I, even, even like, the, the weird one-off. Well, I guess she wasn't Batgirl. I was going to say um, in, in Dark Knight Returns. Carrie Kelly? Yeah, Carrie Kelly. Oh, yeah, she was just bored. Yeah, she was just bored. But she, she she's Robin. She's not Batgirl. I don't know. It's interesting. I think it would have been really cool if they would have stuck with her being Flamebird or even one of these other characters and kept her on as a sidekick to 
Kate Kane as like, you know, oh, this is Batwoman's sidekick. And I guess the fact that she is older now, like she's college age in comics instead of uh, in, in the comic that we read where she's, you know, a teenager. Yeah. That makes it weirder, I guess, that mm-hmm. she would be a sidekick. Um, I feel like Batgirl is a mantle that needs to keep being passed down like Robin. And I don't know. I don't necessarily think she needs to always be a sidekick. I like Barbara a lot, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it is weird to have a, a college age or older woman being known as like Bat Girl. Yeah. But I feel like it's a mantle that needs to be like strengthened and passed down. And I honestly feel like having the most well-known Batgirl have her tenure cut short violently by Alan Moore, uh, kind of just like put a stop on any possibility of that kind of momentum being continued on. Maybe. So she, she stopped being Batgirl for decades and then suddenly she's Batgirl again. Would would you want to see like a, I guess, a character that maybe once, once they outgrow the Batgirl title, uh, maybe becomes like a, a not a sidekick, but a um, a partner with like Nightwing or something. Yeah. Like let's say you have Nightwing and Flamebird, like you know the Superman comics, but they're in Bloodhaven or something. Yeah, you could do that. Doing their own thing. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, there's so many ways you can tell a Bat family story, and you know now with the new way that they're doing the timelines. I guess aging doesn't really matter <laughs> in the grand scheme of things, but I mean, we've had four Robins and only a couple of Batgirls, and only one of them was Batgirl for a pretty long time. It's, the weird thing is that, like, in the late 70s, there were two people operating under the, the name Batgirl. There yeah. was, like, one on the West Coast and one on one on the East Coast in Gotham. <laughs> they should have had a rap battle. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's, it's weird. Can you, can you do that? Is a room enough for both characters to exist? If, if they wanted to repurpose Betty and be like, oh no, she's, she's Batgirl. She's just Batgirl somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Like she's the Batgirl of Star City, Happy Harbor, whatever, you know? Yeah. I would probably maybe have a storyline where Barbara writes her like a strongly worded letter <laughs> from, from her lawyer that's like, hey, totally love that you're fighting crime. Change your name. Yeah. I know you so did you it. think she has to stay? I know as, you did it first, but I copyrighted it first. You think she has to... Well, it's, you should, then she can shoot back and be like, no, mine is spelled with a hyphen. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> you think she has to stay as Flamebird then? Yeah. Or Hawkfire, I guess. If no, Flamebird, Hawkfire is the worst piece of garbage name I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Kill that now. Um, yeah, I mean, that's all I have to say. Is there any, anything you wanted clarification on? No, great job. Okay. Lots of interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, she, it's, it's because she started out as a Batman family character, was written out of comics, and there's not even, like, um, a farewell for her from, like, 64 onward. There, she just, like, appears in one comic, and then she doesn't appear in another one. They're not like, oh, this is your last adventure, or like, oh, she got bored of fighting it's just like you know she just straight up disappears like all the other characters that straight up disappeared at the time when julia schwartz took over like the bat hound and bat might and batwoman (laughs) bring back ace yeah good stuff (laughs) thanks if you would like to get in touch with us tell us if we got anything wrong or what parts of the podcast that you like you can send us an email at uh batmatespodcast at gmail.com all one word batmatespodcast at gmail.com you can get at us at twitter at batmates yeah you know send us a tweet if you want to like and review us on apple podcasts or whatever podcast app you're using give us five stars leave a little review if you leave a five star review we'll read it on the show and give you a little shout out yep 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 and uh yeah we'll see you next week everybody bye